So hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest we have Graham Wilson. So unfortunately this week um, my camera failed like 15 minutes into the podcast. I know we've done a couple of audio onlys but uh, we did film this one um, and unfortunately like I said as I've went to come and mix this podcast I've noticed that 16 minutes into the podcast my camera's just went black um, so I've got no idea what's happened there, so apologies. But um, this is possibly one of the most powerful addiction stories that I've ever heard. Um, Graham has got a blog called Undrunk. And I think maybe even three or four times throughout this interviewing Graham and doing this podcast, my jaw just hit the ground. Um, we speak about addiction, what led to the addiction... But the real powerful stuff comes when um, Graham tries to kick his addiction and uh, talks about being in the sort of addiction hole and the story about what he put his family through, his wife through. But then we got on to how his family was so important to getting him um, out of his addiction. If you're interested, I would recommend going and reading the Undrunk blog that Graham's done. Some of the stories there are just incredible, and I think we try and cover all the main ones in the podcast, but I'm going to let the podcast speak for itself. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to Darren McGarvey, uh, Loki. Excellent episode, and uh, doing some great numbers. Um, he gives a shout-out on Twitter as well, so I just wanted to say thanks. Um, a couple of really good episodes coming up, um and in the next couple of weeks so keep your eyes out for that but other than that just let go on with the episode So hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest, um, we've got Graham Wilson. How's it going, Graham? Not bad, I'm good. Good, mate. Nice uh, to meet you, man. Uh, really nice to meet you. Um, I read through your blog last night and we were saying off mic that what a powerful story you've got. Like, I've text Matt straight away as soon as I read the first blog post <laughs> and was like, this is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> no pressure, mate. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> and as you can tell, you can swear just to uh, say, no, no, say what you good. like. But, that's good. Um, do you want to just, I mean... It was you. It's we're going to be talking about addiction. We've yep. spoken about addiction um, fairly regularly on the podcast. But what was your your experience like? So it was alcohol. Pure. Well, it was about everything in there. Um, but alcohol was a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Alcohol started. Uh, I started an apprenticeship when I was sixteen, and um, I'd, when I was drinking even before that, I drank a bit abnormally. I was always one of the last lads that would be the fallout guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always wanted me I've always looked older than I was so I always um, I always was the one to go and get the carry uh, I was and the same yeah, I was exactly and, same. and part of the thing was if I'm getting your carry well I'm getting a can mm-hmm. so yeah. I would get extra and um, it was weird because at the end of the night I was never done you know and this is at 14, 15 I was never ever finished wow you know and I, and I wanted more and mm-hmm. uh, you know that fear of getting caught by your mum and dad I never had that because I didn't feel as if I was pushed enough, you know, at 14, yeah, and then 15. Uh, and then I started working. 
uh, I was in a, an apprenticeship, I was an apprentice electrician in the construction industry in that time. Bevy was a big thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, was, uh, I think somebody said to me, there's more drugs go through building sites. I was in a uh, band and I was talking about the amount of guys that take drugs, like on doing gigs and on the road and all like, there's more drugs in building sites than there is in bands, mate. Like, uh, it's uh, every day. Uh, so I was... Uh, I worked away a lot, so I never had that thing. I'm an only child, so I never had that thing. My mum and dad, you know, seen me, yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. the deterioration. Uh, and then when I was down the road, uh, I was lying, starting to lie you know, from an early age mm-hmm. about where I was, what I was doing. Um, I was a regular in a pub by the time I was 18. Mm-hmm. Nah, shouldn't that shouldn't because again, I looked a bit older than what I was. Obviously, that's changed now. Yeah, you know, obviously that's now, now now you're obviously good, younger, mate. obviously. But it, I, it was uh, fairly on, I, and I, I just thought I was a young guy having a good time, you know. But when I look back at pictures, I looked like a fucking tramp. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was earning good, not not earning good money, but for my age, I was earning more than my mates were, and they were all smart and stuff. Mm-hmm. I looked like a tramp. I was going to put the golf gear on that I had for five years, mm-hmm. you know, for a night out. Right. I'm fucking going to put a Pringle jumper on. Um, you know, and, and it just... was all stuff I was bought. Mm-hmm. I never bought myself anything. Aye. And I wasn't never took no pride in myself um, whatsoever. Uh, it just accelerated. You know, but I I'd never seen anything wrong with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that was probably part of the part of the problem. I thought that was what you done. You went to the pub and you talked to the old guys about the war and all that. That never fucking happened. But that in my head I had this fantasy. Yeah. Every time I was going to the pub, I was going to have a right good chat. We we're going to talk about politics. Yeah. We we're going to talk about the war. We we're going to yeah. tell me some fantastic stories. It inevitably, it happened that I would sit and read the paper on my own until I had a few cans or a few babies done me, and then I felt the courage to go and speak to somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I would go and be a pest. Mm. You know, and I would go and speak to folk that I'm 18 and I'm speaking to folk, no disrespect, but I'm speaking to folk that were in their 40s and mm-hmm. they were, you know, classing them as my mates. I wasn't hanging about with folk my own age. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they were doing. What they should be doing. Aye. Do you think that was, in a way, giving you some kind of comfort? Because you're running about... I mean, aye, if you're running about your peers and they're buying themselves gear, like they're going to... Gear as in clothes, because uh, to get the young crowd now will be thinking gear as in like gold. Aye, <laughs> um, they're going out buying clothes, get girlfriends and leading what would probably be seen as a more sort of normal, stable life. But then if you're surrounding yourself in the pub, we would when I was younger, would have probably been classed as like Jakey's. Do you know what I mean? You're almost like comparing yourself to them and thinking, well, I'm not quite as bad as that guy standing next to me. He's a mess. I'm no. That was, um, we'll go on a bit in the story, but one of the things that I remember, um, I would always compare myself to folk, you know, so if I was living the pub rules, I lived by pub rules, you know, and, and I was living with these folk. I, I remember looking at, and I was pissing into a bag because I had drank that much that my bladder had fucked up. Um, and I was I, I was catholic, catholic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking when I get as bad as that guy over there I'll chuck it I was pissing into a You've fucking bag. Mm-hmm. bag I was 30 <clears throat> pissing into a bag you know and I'm making a joke to myself about it that that's fucking mad I don't need to go for a piss I can drink <laughs> me hell, man. Wow. you know and then I would go to the would go to the toilet and I would empty the bag you know I was fucking catheterised mm-hmm. how bad did I have to get mm-hmm. and it got fucking worse you know, and that's that, that. I was always looking to compare myself to somebody else to make myself feel better. Feel better. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was on my ass. Mm-hmm. Um, but just I think that's an important and a really important point for people is is that, and I know that I've done this as well in the past where I've not been feeling good about myself or what I've been up to, whether it's been in my addiction or just the way that I treat people, uh-huh. and I've always 
did that thing where I've went, well, I'm not as bad as that, so I'm all right. And it's almost like, well, what what is that person got to do with you? If you're not feeling good about you, then comparing yourself to somebody that's worse isn't really a smart thing to do. Uh, no. no. It wasn't about the one of any worse. That was a thing. I was and you're kidding yourself on. Kidding myself on, you know. Mm-hmm. I was uh, by that time the overdoses and all that had come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd met my wife at twenty one, and um, and by that time you were already. Oh, I was away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, first time I met her, I, you know, I used to get her to come and meet me, uh, but we met in the Mogam. Part of the problem was I tell a story in the matter that I could never be an alky because I was from Mogai. Yeah. And honestly, that's what I thought mm-hmm. because I was from an affluent area. No possible way I could be an alky, and that probably kept me out of getting help for about yeah. five or six years. Mm-hmm. You know, because in my head I thought, no, it'll, it'll pass. I remember thinking to myself, I'll stop when I'm forty. I don't fucking did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was only two years ago. Um, but I, I get that feeling. Yes, you're, you're talking about there where, you know, I'm in a, a reasonably good job for you know for a boy who a working class background and stuff like that and. And in previous episodes, I've talked about my recent issues with drink and that notion that, well, I'm up at work and, you know, I've got money in the bank and, you know, the missus is taking care of and the Wayne's taking care of and, like, I'm no one alky. Because mm. in my head, I had that image of the wee guy sitting on a street curb where huh? he's dug in a cardboard sign asking for money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and you're just, like, so wildly off that huh? it's not even funny. You know what I mean? Huh? Like, I would do the fantasy that every time I went to the booze, we were all going to sit at the back, mm. play guitars and sing. Uh, never ever been to a pub on a guitar. Yeah. Played, you know, and everybody mm-hmm. sang. You know, usually we had folk over heads with a guitar. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's funny about that when you're talking about the sort of pub life is, is that in the last, last, a couple of episodes that we recorded ago and it came up in another one, we were actually thinking that going to the pub used to be what guys did to sort of like share. And we were talking about maybe that's what we're missing. Mm. Know that I'm telling people to go to the pub, but Mel, think about that your dad and your granddad had that sort of community where on the Friday night they would go to the pub and it'd be their mates and they would all sit about and shoot the shit, but we don't really have that anymore. And, no, but I don't, like reading your blog, I don't think that that's the case at all. I think yeah. that's a romanticised idea of the pub. I, I think, uh, as bad as it sounds, it is, because no, no way would I go into a pub and say to guys, I'm not feeling right. I'm oh. not feeling it. I'm mm-hmm. feeling a bit sensitive yeah. tonight. You know, I'm not feeling quite myself. I'm feeling a bit down the dumps. Mm-hmm. Fancy a chat. Um, or I don't like the way I look. Or, you know, something like that. But, you know, the, the, the acceleration, uh, it was a it was a slow progression to to death I was on. You know, 21 to to uh, 35. Was, in fact, 21 to 30, I was just a heavy... Well, I wasn't just a heavy drink. I was an alcoholic, but there wasn't really any signs of any real bad shit going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I treated my... I was lying. I lied all my fucking life. Oh, fuck you know, I lied. I mean, I lied about my fucking name. You know, and and sometimes it would just... I don't know why. I can't explain why, but I was... I was talking to somebody yesterday about this and, and, and the amount of lies that I was... I was telling lies to, to, to cover lies, to cover lies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, don't even know what the truth is. No, I forgot who I was and forgot what, what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Run about me. Um, but when I, I'll I'll get right to 30, 35 when it when it was, I I was in a good job, but I I found myself that I'd been drinking every day and I couldn't remember the last time I had any drink. And then it, the morning drinking started coming in. You know, I would okay. start at eleven o'clock. Um, I, um, 
and financially, this is terrible. Financially, we were okay. My wife's got a fantastic job, and mm-hmm. I was we were, we were doing all right. But I found I need to go and get payday loans, you know, and I was getting fucking payday loans so that I could. I was now hiding. I was now hiding a baby, so I was getting payday loans to pay payday loans to pay payday loans. Yep. And uh, I would go home uh, and get the nail behind the back of the door. And check and see if it was any of best. There was letters coming in chasing me for money, court letters and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Yep. And I would go behind the door and check the mail. And if it was anything that looked like a, a bad letter, I would check it out, open it up, make sure that where it was, bin it. I mean, I never really t- took any day of it. Yep. But then I would <clears throat> rearrange the mail on the door to make it look as if the postman came. This is how the, this is how mental. Rather than me going back through the door and posting it back through the door, I would rearrange it in the floor so that it looked like. I didn't want the neighbours to see me posting mail from one door. Mm-hmm. Even just put it on a table. Aye. You know what yeah. I mean? Aye. And then the wife would have known I was in. I oh, didn't want her known right. I was in the house. Ah, right, okay. I wanted her thinking that I had just come home and that mm-hmm. was the mail that was there. Right. Um and one of the days I had thought, you know what, I'm I'm gonna go for a I'm gonna go for a pint. Because every day I was only having a couple of pints. You know, I, I get that bad that some days I would leave the house at the time I was staying in Hargate and I had to drive to Bishop Briggs. And I would leave the house in, in Hargate. And I would get to Bear's Den, never drink again, never fucking drink again, I'm fucking dying here. And I would always remember, I would hit the hill, um, I can't remember the name of the road, up by Asda and Bear's Den, it's a big huge hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dry, I can't remember, but anyway, I would be at the bottom of that hill, never drink again. At the top of the hill, I'd be saying, you know what, I'm going to go for a couple of pints tonight. Just two. Just, just one. Two, two, take, take the edge off of this. Mm-hmm. And then about another half mile down the road, I'd be turning around and heading home. For a baby, you know. So in the space of three miles, I had never drank again to want to go for a baby. Yep. Mm-hmm. To 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 call an in sick at my work, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and one of these nights, I had decided I was going 100. percent I'm going down the road two pints, and I'm going to go up the road. Uh, and I went, and and the alcoholic in me it was when I started, I couldn't stop. Yep. So I never went home, and that night there was a letter, and it was a court letter. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't lie my way out of it. I tried and I tried and I tried. And um, I used to go and, when, when I knew I was in trouble, I used to go and try and grab Caroline. And I, not, not like um, grab her in a physical way, but dra- grab her for a cuddle. Mm-hmm. And then if I cuddled her, then she, that was her forgiving me, mm-hmm. whether she was or not. I, yeah. I felt better. And you did. It was all about me. Yeah. And um, so this night in particular, I couldn't get out of it. So I went and I covered. And uh, my mental health, the reason I drank was my mental health, but my mental health was all the shop anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found amitriptyline because Caroline had been diagnosed with shingles, which for most people will know is a form of a form of stress. Mm-hmm. And that was because of me, because I wasn't giving names, mm-hmm. thought I was dead. Um, and ten of them could have killed me. And I took fifty-two. Um, took fifty-two amitriptyline, <sighs> and uh, the whole packet went. Uh, just what you had in your hand. Just... I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I'd taken. I just popped them all into the, in the kitchen and weaved them down. And then uh, I went into Caroline and fucking humiliated her pretty much. Started singing, you know, I'm not singing such, but telling her she didn't need to worry about me anymore. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. Um, and just saying shit that, you know, just just been an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and I and she told me to basically piss off. So I, I I went into the room and and that's the last I remember. I, the, the last I remember was nearly falling over the dog, nearly killing the dog because I, I was starting to lose focus. Mm-hmm. And um, I fell at the bottom of the bed and Callan just started steaming again and, and, and left me. 
when she came in and she, I was I was blue, my lips were blue. She phoned an ambulance and and he came out and was dead. It was dead when they arrived. I, I kept my heart was stopping and then racing and stopping and right. then racing because mm-hmm. of the amitriptyline. Yeah. And nobody had known. I never, never. I'd had everything. I'd had all the pills and the, the length of time that the pills had been there, Caman had forgot about them. Mm-hmm. So she never even added up. Yeah. Um, but we put me into a coma because nobody knew what, what had happened and it was. They thought I had a brain aneurysm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they told the family that the next X amount of hours are, are, are critical. Um, we don't know if he's going to make it, he's in a coma, and we've put him in a coma for his own safety because his heart's working too hard. And um, eventually Caroline kind of clicked and she found the packet. They didn't add the sheets. Uh, and stuff like that, and um, they, they brought me out of the coma. And I remember coming out of it, and I was in a, I was in a room on my own, Obviously, uh, the three of them were there, my mum, my dad and, and Caroline, and, and to the left of me was, was Caroline in, in tears. Uh, the right of me was my mum in tears. I bought my bed was my old man, uh, and he wasn't crying, he couldn't look at me. Yeah. Couldn't look at me, and I, and I remember looking, and I could see the, the eyes, and it, he was in so much fucking pain, you know, and, and it was, he said it's no, but he was probably at the stage where he no longer wanted, no long, he always wanted a son, but no longer could put up with the pain that the son was putting him through. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and, and, and I never, I'll never ever forget that image, but I never what because I came back out, but I was in there for about three weeks and I was drinking again, you know, and so even that level of, of, of where I was at, and that, that was one of the suicide attempts that, 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 that affected everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, there was, you know, there was many, many more. Not, I would say that not the attempting suicide bad. You see, the threatening to attempt suicide that's worse. Mm, yeah. Because I would attempt, I would, I would threaten to. We had said in Hardgate, and I would threaten to attempt suicide, and then fuck off out the house and walk towards the Erskine Bridge. I had no intention of jumping off the Erskine mm-hmm. Bridge. Mm. So that's psychological abuse. Emotional blackmail into it. You know, and that's but you'll tolerate my drinking because the alternative is that I kill myself. Aye. Mm. So if you give me grief, I'm going to threaten to kill myself. You know, and I often it's something I often think about is did I did I did I really want to die? You know, when when I took all those pills, and and I can't answer it. But what I do know is I wanted to go to sleep and wake up and feel better, feel normal, mm-hmm. and no one have the need because I went by the wanting the drinking to the need for the drink. Yeah. You know, and, and there was many more after it. You know, there was um, cocodamol and paracetamol. You know, overdosing and that, and end up with um, renal failure. You know, in the hospital for three weeks. Yeah. Back out, drinking again. You know, and it, that was just. I, I think I think we worked out one of the. I think it was in the hospital for six months, and a year, off and on, mm-hmm. and for six weeks here, and for three weeks there, and for six weeks. The the um the, the renal failure that's when I ended up with my bladder gubbed. It's fixed now. Mm-hmm. Um but <clears throat> I ended up with my bladder gubbed. I was self catheterizing, you know, uh, and 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 during all that I, I was still babying, you know. Mm. So I didn't even, uh, It almost defies logic, doesn't it? I mean uh, I have had the change for want to need um and when you're talking about that walk up the hill, that's something that kind of resonates with me because I would find myself having drank three quarters of a bottle of bourbon the night before, going to work, being like, never again, no chance, and then finishing at nine o'clock and being like, I'm hanging. 
Like I'll I'll go and get a bottle and I'll just have a couple just to take the edge off, and then that would be for walking out the door at nine o'clock to twenty five past nine. I'm in the house where I drink my horn, and it's like it's like that. Aye. You know what I mean? It's, and you got through the gears, you don't even realise you're doing it sometimes. Um, drunk well, anticipation. Aye. I get drunk with the thought of getting drunk. Aye. And that's that's where I was like, this mm. is starting to become an issue because I went for wanting it for a you know comfort you know calm my head down get a night's sleep blah 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 you know self-medicating to being like no my body needs this and it's it's amazing how easily that transition happens and mm-hmm. when it does it's oftentimes you know too late for a lot of folk Aye. you know well, what i mean that's that's got to be <clears throat> some kind of psychological defense mechanism where you start to tell yourself that you need it because you, you don't need it like yeah Definitely, if you if you're if you're an alcoholic and you stop drinking, there's going to be so much pain involved because that's when it, that's when the pain starts. Really, like you start mm-hmm. to become aware of it. But I think I, I must I think that that must be rooted in some kind of little line to yourself. Where you're going, oh, do you know what? I need a couple. Yeah, I just need a couple of these to make myself I would feel better. I'd get him and spank a full bottle. Aye. There was never a couple. You Aye. know what I mean? Like, I would get him and spank a full bottle on a Wednesday Aye. night. There'd be something in you your subconscious that would one hundred percent know that. It would oh. be like you know what's going to happen here, but you just you you've no get the the get, tools to fight it fight nah, against. You know, get the control. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, was, you were saying like your me- so your addictions like rooted in your mental health. Like, I was, was all, there anything that sort of caused that, or like if you went back and or is it just? No, no, no. I just think um, the the start when it, I remember what I hated what I went for home. I hated being away. I was an only child. I was mm-hmm. a mum, you know. I was very close to my mum and and my dad. And I hated working away from home. And I think it started as when I drank it, I didn't miss them as much. Right. So it's been like homesickness. Aye. Mm-hmm. So I, it started off as simple as that. That when mm-hmm. I when I when I was working away and I went out for a few pints at night, you felt better. I felt better. And I felt better being home and, and you know and being in a house or a, in a a, a hotel and yeah. mm-hmm. Although you were with all the guys, but all the guys again were. Are a hell of a lot older than me, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be the whole have a drink. Even aye. if you, if, if I mean, I don't know if this happened, but even if there was one night where you thought, Do you know what, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm just going to, I'm drinking too much, or, and then you end up in that environment where it's pure. No, you're having that. Have one. Uh, you know what I mean. Just have a yeah. pint. What's wrong with having a pint? But then they don't know that because you're hiding it underneath. Oh, that one. You know that one pint's going to turn ninety five. It's going to, and then you're going to be pissed. And Aye. then every morning, every morning I wasn't drinking again. And every morning mm-hmm. I was having a day after. Yep. You know, it never ever happened. Um, so, I but it was, you know, the, 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 it was it was horrific. You know, but but I was drink became everything. You know, drink was king. I loved it. Are you playing your day or not? I was married to it. Um, you know, I, I'd. Tell you another, this is this is probably one of the worst. You, you probably don't hear this for many folk. I had tried to stop, and um, all, all the resources that I could have had to get drink were taken away. So the money, yep. Um, you know, no any access to it, anything like that. And uh, I was in a house. It was a huge track called Cold Turkey, basically. Uh, no, I wasn't wanting to stop, but I was. I was at that time. I was still still trying to stop for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't just trying to stop work, for me. No. Um, I was trying to stop to, to stop the grief for everybody else stopping. Yeah. And uh, so I'm in the house and uh, I'm hunting, hunting the house for drink. I, found, I remember I found a wee miniature of whiskey that was from our wedding day that was sentimental. Yeah. Uh, that done. So I necked that and then uh, I found weed killer. So I found 
industrial wing killer. It came from a landscape gardener. Jesus and I remember him telling us that a tablespoon of it, it was that strong, you know, that a couple of tablespoons or a tablespoon of it would kill a, a large chunk of Hamden Park. So I poured it into a half pint tumbler, maybe, maybe a glass like that. Mm-hmm. But I poured it, it was about up to about there. So you're talking and, about three quarters uh, of the way. Topped it up with lemonade. So uh, like a uh, weed killer tops? Aye, pretty much <laughs> a weed killer hell, tops man. and drank it. Uh, and it stayed down for a good bit of time and then it, it came all back up, or most of it came back up. Uh, now, it burnt my insides on the way up, aye, obviously. Course, and uh, I was obviously <coughs> hospitalised. <coughs> Getting fed through a tube, and for, I think it was in for about three or four weeks. Getting fed through a tube. Now, nobody knew what I'd done. The, 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 uh, believe it or not, the, the, the hospital put it in an allergic reaction at penicillin. Um, so uh, nobody. Uh, I had to tell my doctor eventually when I get sober. Yeah. That what had happened. So I'm in the hospital. We're due to go on holiday to Tenerife, in like you know three weeks, and mm. I've just been hospitalised. Three weeks later. Day before I'm gone on holiday, they say you can go out. And I think this is mad, we're going on holiday. The, G, the, the doctor comes around and talks to us and uh, tells us everything I should be doing. And I fucking ask him if we can have a drink on holiday. Wow. It is, no. it's the first thing you think about, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it, it, it becomes all consuming. Uh, you know what I mean? What? And um, I. I, when it was mine, it's been. I was planning my whole day's run up. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, I can get through this eight-hour shift because at the end of the day, I won't be able to neck my Jack B. Or, yeah. You know, she's going away with her dad for the weekend. That means I've got two full days to myself to get absolutely yeah. stinking. You know, I'll be nice and sober by the time she gets home, and all the bottles will be in the bins outside, and she'll not even notice yeah. that that's what's been going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it becomes this thing that just takes over everything. That daughter said to me, "You can have one or two. I didn't hear the one or two, but no. you heard just yes. Have, I can have a drink. I can have a drink. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd started on the plane. Um, but I it was, so it, I'd changed everything. You know, even my monetary value. So any money I had, I didn't see pounds and pennies. I, I seen pints. Mm-hmm. And I would try and get out to get the most amount of money. And, and fucking God forbid I found myself in the middle. You know, of say it was £3 for a pint. If I found myself with, you know... Two pound, or sorry, if I had three pound for a pint and I had five pound, yeah. So I was a pound short of getting two, which was never the case because I would always make sure I had enough mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to go for you know the, 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 what I thought was was enough. Um, but I would always go out with money as beer tokens. I know this. Everybody says I've got beer tokens. Mm-hmm. I did. You know, I, I I'd have written down to the penny of of what I was going to do. You know mm-hmm. and. Uh, if it meant I was missing lunches and all that sort of stuff to get an extra pint, then then, then that's what I so done. Be it, uh, yep. and that's what I done. I would go to any any length to to, to get it, you know. And uh, it was just just fucking horrible stealing. No, I, I never. I was never. I never shoplifted or anything, but I stole physically off my, my own family and, mm-hmm. and my wife, and and most of all, I fucking stole their time. Mm-hmm. You know, I stole their headspace and wrecked it. Um, which they're all still recovering from, you know. Mm, of course. I remember I was only, about, oh, I think it was about three or four weeks over, and he feeling a bit sensitive, a bit touched up, a bit sensitive, a bit all over the shop, and I'd yep. say to him, if you don't trust me, fucking don't trust me. Of course. They fucking yeah. want it. Aye. And I was expecting after four weeks that she should be trusting me now. Yeah. So it was, uh, it wasn't as quick as I would have liked it. I mean, I thought everybody would be, and now I'm at the other end of the scale, I hate getting praise. I don't deserve it. I feel as if it's one of these ones that, 
you guys have said to us that's when you'd say when, we, when I came in that's, that's brilliant six years so I don't like that mm-hmm. oh right okay uh, not, 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 nothing against it no, that, no I'm with you I don't think I should be praised for making other people's lives better when I treated them so shitly yeah mm-hmm. you know I don't know shitly's a word but you know I, I treated them so badly mm-hmm. that I don't like the high fives because I've stopped drinking yeah and, and gave them the life that she should have had fair enough you know it's, it's one of these ones mm-hmm. that uh Folks say you should be proud of yourself, and I'm proud of myself for certain things, but no for stopping drinking, because it's, it's I've made everybody's life fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think that, like, for an outsider's perspective, though, there's so many people that don't get to the stage that you're at, especially aye. how deep it sounds like you've been. Like, and I think that that's why people are like, you should be proud of yourself, yeah. because there's so many people just get lost in either die because they they'll, they'll do or everybody will leave them they'll end up in the street so i can understand why people say that you're but also i can understand why you don't feel a sense of pride no. about like like you're saying giving people stuff that they deserve that you feel that they deserve but absolutely mate, like i think it, you've achieved something that so many people don't you know I, I mean? i'm happy with the achievement and all that you know and and the, the, the reason i am so open and i tell my story is is because I think I said to you guys before, you know, I was at the bottom of the barrel, but I remember mm-hmm. speaking to somebody and I'd said to you, everybody's got a different bottom of the barrel. Absolutely. And I had said to you, the reason I say that is I was, I remember speaking to somebody when I was, I was obviously in shit because they, were, they had said <coughs> to me, Graham, you've not reached the bottom of the barrel yet. Right? So that was a warning. Mm-hmm. I never seen it as that. I thought, well, if I have not reached the bottom of the barrel yet, then I've got a bit to go. Mm-hmm. It's almost like so I've well, got about it's all right. Yeah. Aye, it's, like, it's not as bad as it could be, and see once it gets to that bad, then I'll get up, Aye. and it's almost the same as going, I'll get up on forty because then that way I'll be, I'll be all right. It was honestly a sense of relief. Uh, I'm like, yeah, dancer. Yeah, any I'm, excuse that somebody I'm else could give you just I'm not as bad on. as I think I am. Mm. Because if they're saying I'm nearly at the bottom of the barrel, then I'm still going. You know, that feeds into what we were saying that it's so important not to compare yourself to other people because, like you just said there, I'm not as bad as what I feel on, but if you feel that bad, uh, then that's your reality. Like, I think that, that that's so important to uh, say to people that if you're telling yourself in your head, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic and you're only having two or three pints a day mm-hmm. or 10 on a Friday night, and you, you, but if you feel that you're addicted or you feel that, then you need to do something about that. Uh, like, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about you. Feeling as if you need and, and you're thinking, if, if you're starting to think about your drinking, and trying to think, I need to control my drinking. Mm-hmm. Your drink's already out of control. Yeah. If you're trying to control something, then it's already gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to really uh, look at it. Unfortunately, I've done it the completely wrong way. You know, getting sober, I, I, I just went cold turkey. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Which can I, be dangerous. It's, 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 it's hugely dangerous. Especially those levels of drinking. You hugely know I mean? dangerous. I was, you I think, think that that's what killed Amy Winehouse, was that she just decided to stop drinking the night before she died, and it was the... Shock. The, the shock to her body. I was in bits. I was in campaign. I was itchy. Sweating. I was seeing shit. Um, but I'd, I'd had enough. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time... Uh, I had my last drink of all places in Tenerife, you know, and, and and at that time my wife had knew there was there was issues. She knew there was, you know, she's not that daft that she couldn't see that there was yeah. shit going on that it was out of control. And we were in Tenerife and it was all inclusive. Oh. And um, mm-hmm. 
Wow. Aye. Dangerous place for an alcoholic. To Aye. Be for sure. So I was, I was starting to drink at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, what's that? Come on holiday. It's, it's water. No, she would never know it was water, I would say. And it was vodka. It was straight vodka. Oh, fucking hell. Um, but then, you know, I would, I would go for a, a walk mm-hmm. as such every day. And the walk, where we go to, where the, I would go to the pay bar. Yeah. Uh, and buy drink. A fucking all inclusive. <laughs> Uh, so I spent, I think we were out for 10 days, uh, I, think, I, can't get, I can't remember, 10 days or two weeks, and I'd spent £650 in the paper. On an all-inclusive holiday. On an all-inclusive holiday, and I remember the yeah. woman, I, I actually, I gave the woman at tight, she, I'd asked for a triple vodka, and she said, that's the blue label stuff, son, that'll, be, that'll yeah. knock you bandy, and I'm, I'd said to her, look, you're the fucking barmaid, just give me what I'm asking, mm. and if you're not going to serve me, tell me, and I'll get to you. And he, she just left me, and and that was never in my nature to be nasty, mm-hmm. uh, and and I felt really bad. I actually apologised to the woman, but but two days with the holiday left, Caroline had said to us, uh, she was going out on her own at night, because I was sick, um, I was pissed, I wasn't eating, I hadn't eaten for four days, I was been sick every morning, but the sickness was then just we get a drink done and it would go away, mm-hmm. and she'd said, well, I've had enough, I've, I've had enough, and. Um, not very calm. The, the argument before it wasn't, but the following morning, um, it's just, just said I've had enough. When we get home, I, I'm, I'm not sure about leaving you. I think I will be leaving you, but if I don't, we will never be on fucking holiday ever again, ever again. And at that point, I thought, mm, I need to do something here. I, I need to try and uh, do something for the first time. I, I thought, I'm, I need to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And seriously, I'd been it. I'd went to A about five years before I had actually stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to a and then I was going to the boozer. And I went a couple of Sundays in a row. I never heard it, never seen it, never actually took anything in. Um, but I'd, I'd, I think I stopped for a day. Just ticking the box for other people again. Aye, so this time I thought, I'm going to go back to that A and I'm going to see what, what, what it can do for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so we came back in the... We came back like the, the Friday or the Saturday and I went to a meeting on the... Sorry, we came back on a Wednesday, I went to a meeting on a Thursday and I, I went to the wrong place and, and it was, there was no meeting there, it had moved. I, mean, I went, actually ended up in a fucking pensioners lunch club and I actually thought that was AA. Right. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, I was standing at the door thinking, fuck this. No, no way I'm sitting with this lot mm-hmm. and, and, and fucking stopping drinking. Yeah. I'll date myself. And uh, I, I about turned and I actually came out in tears because I was gutted because I, I was so desperate not to drink and mm-hmm. I was greeting and I was phoning Caroline and I'm like, I've had the fucking wrong place. So I'm, I, I, I've, I've made an ass of this again. So I was very critical of myself. I of hated course, myself. Uh, you know, I completely despised myself beyond belief. And um, so it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I, I had muddled by, as I was saying. I, I had a wee couple of drinks because it was it was killing me. Yeah. And on the Sunday I went to a proper, I found a proper AA meeting and, and for two years it, it, it saved me. Mm-hmm. For two years of, um, you know, quite constant meetings. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was, I was fine. I, I wasn't fine, but I managed to stop drinking completely. Yeah. Um, with the exception of one time I had, a, a, I was given a drink by mistake. I'd said that before Caroline had said she would never ever go on holiday me before now just any getting to a year sober is a huge achievement yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a big big thing any, in any walk it doesn't matter whether it's here or not and, um, 
a year so was a huge thing yep. and, and in the build up to there's a, there's a you know there's a party and all that on the first day but we were in Mexico and um, as I said Caroline said she would never ever go on holiday again but she had started trusting me and mm -hmm. seeing that I was being serious and I'd been just about a year sober and we went to a meeting uh, sorry so we went to a restaurant or whatever I can't remember the night and I had asked for a Sprite mm -hmm. and um, the guy brought over the drinks and I put the Sprite to my lips and it was a, a large vodka and then and it went it went in but I, I, somebody went down but I spat it out mm -hmm. and um, created fucking holy hell you know, and see this could have fucking killed me but it fucked me up yeah it fucked me up massively because I was raging at myself mm -hmm. because that was the excuse that I was looking for that wouldn't have been my fault that would have been one last charge right mm -hmm. that would have been one last bevy I'd have just been off and running and um, we decided that I was going to go. That that night I hardly slept. I was up and you know up all night, just panicking and thinking. Yeah. I've wrecked my sobriety, all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And I went to a meeting in Mexico. All right. And um, I, I was it was an English speaking meeting, and the guy was a guy for California. had said to me, "What's up with you?" I said, "I, I was given a drink last night, and uh, I, I thought it was Sprite, and it wasn't." And he said, "Listen." Two years ago, exactly the same thing happened to me, and um, and we just chatted, and uh, I walked out there and I'm like, you know what, that's I felt so much better because mm -hmm. I thought I'd fucked it, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then we, we came home and and we had the celebration for the first birthday and I get I get a chain off my wife it's him for cleaning the room and, and I remember her saying that you know if you're ever struggling and you get you know days that struggle. You that are up and remember that you know you managed you managed a year yeah and then uh, a lovely letter and then mum and dad gave us a wrote us a letter uh, and everything had been taken I mean I stole everything out of them so they had to take everything off of me cows keys they had no access to the house we been supervised which mm -hmm. must have been horrific for them for mm -hmm. that. imagine locking your only child out the house because you can't trust them yeah yeah they wrote us a letter saying that you know we're so proud of you happy you've done it and attached on the letter was my house keys. Oh, that's nice. You know, that was one of the, still to this day, one of the best presents I've ever, I'm a, I'm a spoiled brat, I'm only two, <laughs> to date, that is one of the best presents I've ever had, you know, I had gained their trust again, you know, and, um, and then, it, as we were talking earlier on, I felt, as I, I, I don't go away much now, <laughs> um, because I, I, I had to, um, I had to learn to make more mistakes, I realised my mental health was, when I when I stopped drinking, I realised how bad my mental health was, you know. And even in the beginning of sobriety, two years in, I, I had suicidal thoughts, mm -hmm. you know. And and I, but I never had that solution anywhere. I never had the baby to take them away. Yeah. Um. So I needed to do something, you know. And uh, I started getting involved with different organisations outside of it, mm -hmm. um, because I needed. I had changed. From going to the boozer every day to going to meetings, and I was still taking away time for my family. Um, I still, I still dip in and out. Hey, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I needed to spend time with them and and repair the damage that, yeah. was, that was done with them. Mm, of course. Um, you know, and it's obviously what because I mean I'm just coming up for six years sober, so there's, there's, I'm doing something right. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's all high fives and, and going. It's just a normal day now. Yeah. Everybody gets done about it. Nowadays, I think it's very over dramatic. You know, being done doesn't mean you're mentally ill. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. 
mental illness and mental health are two uh, two completely different yeah. things. Mentally ill, you need to go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Mental health, it's within your control slightly yeah. to try and change mm-hmm. it. Self care can definitely help. Aye, yeah. aye. So you know, I got so I got involved with different organisations that we we spoke earlier on about changing your addictions. Mm-hmm. You know, when I stopped drinking, I was told that if you have a you ever feel like a drink, you know, have one of these wee, you know, these wee mini chocolate bars. Okay. Have, have one of them and it'll take the edge off it. But fucking three year in, you should be maybe thinking about no taking the chocolate yeah. bars anymore, you know, and yeah, I had ballooned up in weight and I was, I had changed from comfort drinking to comfort eating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had ballooned up in size, you know, I'd, I'd started hating myself again because I didn't like the way I looked. A lot of guys don't, a lot of guys worry about the way they look but don't talk about it because yeah. it's not a guy thing to do. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think body image is something that's oh, come up recently yeah, as well. Everybody, huge. to a certain extent, will worry about the way that they look. 100%. But it's it's almost if you were to sit and say to your mates, do you know what, I don't like the way I look. They'd be like, what's up with you, you fucking idiot? Do you know uh, what I mean? That? Like, you kidding on? Like, but um, I, like, I think, I remember years ago, my mum and dad gave up fags, like 60 a day, when I was, my mum and dad were a wee bit older than guys my own age. And they were still like the 60 a day when I was a wee boy. I can remember my mum saying to me, see when you get up smoking, you put on weight. Aye. And all the way up to maybe my 20s, I thought that there was something with cigarettes that kept you slim. Rather than it being just a cause and effect thing, Aye, that yeah. when you get up the fags, you need to just comfort yourself some other way. And that would, the easiest real comfort that you've got in your house at all times is food. Aye. Yeah. Or Bevy, like, because Bevy's, I remember my mum and dad having, so something I was going to ask you about, like, the change in sort of drinking cultures, but when, I mean, we are of a similar age, and when I was younger, my mum and dad had, like, a bar in the house, it was like this wooden cabinet that they (laughs) pulled out that had, like, always had a bottle of whiskey, vodka, gin, just in case somebody came round, you know, you need to have, I remember my dad saying to me, see when you get your own house, you need to always have a drink in for people, for when they come run, and I think that that's something that's kind of changing, but it it doesn't. It's not helped people, has it? It's like the ever presence of like alcohol and Christmas holidays. So I was talking to a guy yesterday um, about it's almost like any excuse to have a drink. It's a pure cultural thing in the UK. Well, mm-hmm. See, see if see if a woman doesn't have a drink, they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and see if a guy doesn't have a drink, he must be ill. <laughs> you know, I've seen the amount of times is eventually now, you know, I give it three shots. It's mm-hmm. my rules. If I get asked three times if I'm not drinking, then they get told I'm an alky. Right. And that nips it right in the bud. I'm proud of it. I mean, as I said to you guys before, I, I don't care. Yeah. I, I really don't care. If, I, if my message can help anybody, then my job's done. Absolutely. Uh, I'm very open and honest about the fact why I don't drink. A lot of people don't know the full extent of it, but mm-hmm. that's. I'll tell my story to anybody that, that, that wants to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, 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 it's a culture that we need to get out of. It's, it's, it's changing slightly now. It's becoming a bit more acceptable not to drink at a night out. Mm-hmm. But it's the other scale of it is people, like, people are frightened to, to talk to me about drink. You know, so see if, um, somebody, somebody was talking to us last week and said there was a lovely bottle of wine. Oh, Aye. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Excellent. Aye, wait a minute. It's all right. I'm probably the best person to talk about. Mm-hmm. I've drank every fucking thing. So mm-hmm. I'm probably the best person that you want to tell and yeah. ask for advice on, baby. Because mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've been there. But 
people are, I mean, I was telling you earlier on, we sponsored a, a match at, at, at Partick Thistle last year, and, and, and the guy, he's a cracking guy, but he, he was all worried about giving me a bottle of whiskey because yeah. it, it, was a, it was a gift from the club because you sponsored me, there's a bottle of whiskey, and he was Absolutely. concerned about giving me it. And then the second time we'd done it, he gave us a signed top, which was lovely of him. Mm -hmm. But it was just that kind of thing that people have got this thing that if you're an alcoholic, let's not talk about drink, run about them. Let's not get them to pour any drink. Uh, everybody's different. I'm okay uh, with having drink in the house because I, I can. I'm, I've got that ability to to realise if I, I did decide to take a drink, then yep. I'm 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 doing I'm not yeah. on the road, but I, I'm in I'm in baller. Your own recovery is your own, you know, personal thing as we've kind of discussed already. And and I did get it. I, I found it quite odd as I'm again being quite open about you know the issues I've had in the, in the last year or so in, in previous episodes where I've had you know issues with the drink and stuff like that. But the first time after being dry like three or four months that I had a drink this year, and, I, and I'm I'm comfortable now that I'm back in control and that I can have Aye. a sociable drink. And you've been in, and he was like to me last week. We watched the Champions League final, and a couple of days after it was pure. It was brilliant to see you come round the house and have four cans of beer, and that was it. Aye. And I was that way. It, it was it was something I actually enjoyed. It was, there wasn't the pressure to then go and get absolutely. So I was back in control. But the first place I spoke about it was on another podcast that we guested on called Drunk Therapy. So the first time I had a drink after dealing with my drink was sitting podcasting with a whole load of other guys. And I think it was quite a weird conversation for them to be like, because they want to get in about, you know, some of the stuff that we, we talk about on the show and that. And it's quite weird to be sitting recording that with a drink in my hand, talking about how I've had bouts of alcoholism. And you can see people being like pure. Aye. And you're like, no, I'm not actually in control of that. Mm -hmm. You know that what I mean? Like, perceptions we're talking yeah. about. The word alcoholic. You know, it's a horrible word. People attach onto it what they like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the amount of times I've been been told you, you don't look like an alcoholic. Well, paint me an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. What does an alcoholic actually look like? Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't think about it. it's the recovery process. Is it's been both exhilarating and fucking nightmare. And people uh, are almost always coming for a well-meaning place yeah. when they when they try and maybe hide a bottle of wine uh, the other funny. side of their body as they pour uh, it when you're sitting at the table or whatever it is but it is sometimes misguided uh, I'm, you know I'm, I'm mean? very what? open about it and I'm like for fuck's sake I'm going to neck it because <laughs> you know, you're pouring a bottle of wine don't get me wrong I, I, I'm an alcoholic drink does pass my mind mm -hmm. you know particularly a sunny day you know and you see people oh, right. sitting out in a beer garden you're like that would be fucking magic mm -hmm. But I know I can't, because yeah. again, we were talking about that fantasy where you go to the pub and everybody's singing and dancing and everybody's yeah. like, that's never ever happened. Absolutely. In my head, that's, that's what's going to happen the next time I have a drink. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's, that's the dangerous place sometimes. It's, as somebody said to me, if you were having McDonald's every single day of your life and then stop all of a sudden, you would still think about McDonald's. Of course. Baby's no any different. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've been uh, drinking since you were, what, you said 14? Aye. Mm -hmm. so, and... You know what I mean? Like it's part of your life. Uh, it's going to take a while for that to unwind. Uh, Six years is a long time. But again. at the end of the day, like if it takes you for, let's just say that you start really thinking for yourself at like maybe eight or nine, let's just say it takes you for nine to 21 uh, to learn how to do all these things and think for yourself, then it's probably going to take a very similar amount of time before you're you really start to forget about what? it all, and you know right. what I mean. Like, I hope the day that I don't forget about it, I, mean, I, I need to keep remembering about it because it, it keeps in check that where I've actually came from, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, and and over the last few years, you know, I've I've, I've done stuff that I just you know would never ever get involved in. As I said earlier on, I'm, I'm honoured to be the patron of a charity called Back On Side, and and they have 
I'm saying I'm honoured to you. She gets us doing some crazy shit, you know, and, and stuff that I would never ever think about. Mm-hmm. You know, the likes of the kilt walk. Yep. You know, I've done yep. the kilt walk just recently, which is something I would never ever do. You know, tough mother. Yep. Just done tough mother. You know, stuff that is out there, you know, that it's just, it's never been on a bucket list, but it, now that you've done it, you're like, you know what, that, that's, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the charity, the reason I get involved, they helped me because I was going through a low time and I, I, I was just saying, I started hating myself again and I was actually having really bad nightmares. You know, the, the suicidal nightmares where they were vivid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and it was heavy. I would, I, I'd had a drink and uh, then I was going to commit suicide. And I was getting to the point where I was just about to commit suicide and I realised I, I was making a mistake, but I would trip and it was too late. Yeah, yeah. And it was time to wake up. And these were happening every night. So um, I had spoke with the charity and, and I was involved with the charity anyway and I spoke to them and they managed to go and get me some, got some counselling off them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it helped. Yeah. So now my focus is on guys, predominantly guys for me, because guys' mental health is, is horrific mm-hmm. because we're not open. Historically, we're just not open enough. And, uh, you know, don't talk about talking about it early on. Don't talk about your weight. You know, I hated the way I looked. So I've been to football fans in training at Thistle to lose weight. You know, I go to Slimming World to lose weight because I'm unhappy with my weight. You know, the way that I was eating, comfort eating is very thingy. You know, I've started going back to the gym. I've got a personal trainer that works with me. That helps me mm-hmm. and mentally that helps you as well. About exercise and stuff yeah, like that, definitely. you know. And, um, it's just it, doing anything to help. If I keep my mental health in check, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 it. And then talk to other so talk to people about the way you're feeling. That's the thing, you know. It's, it's weird, it's still very difficult to speak to. Mm-hmm. I find it horrible, you know, when how are you feeling and you're thinking, I, I'm fine. There's a, there's a picture I've seen, and it's a guy and he's underwater. And all you see is a thumb, you know, yeah. coming out the water. As he drowns. And, and as he drowns and, and somebody's saying, are you okay? And he's saying, I am, I am I'm, fine. I am fine. <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's, that's exactly what, what, what I can be like sometimes. Is mm-hmm. When you're in a bad place, admitting that you're not quite right. Yeah. Um, it, it's bad. And, and it takes practice, that. I think, like, even still, now, I, I talk about my addiction and how I'm feeling probably more than most men, but... Even still, if my missus will be like, you all right? And I'll be uh-huh. like, mm, I am fine. And she knows. She'll just be like, you'll know what's up. And then, I've, and then it'll be like the second time, I'll be like, oh, this. And she'll just be like, just say it first time. But uh-huh. say to her, look, I'm not used to this. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like I spent, I mean, my dad died when I was 21. But I spent the first 21 years of my life watching my dad be mm-hmm. that guy that just sat there and just nothing was ever a problem. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was always just pure... I don't think I ever. I I seen him greet once. Aye. My full life, twenty one years. I knew the guy, and he cried once in front of me, and he was pissed drunk when he did it. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. that's the example that was set. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that. And g- going back to like saying men's mental health is in a is in a, pla- a a really bad place, but I think that the tides turned definitely, and people definitely. have started to realise that I need to talk and. Mm-hmm. You're seeing, I mean, we had a boy um, Ryan on last week, yep. and this wee guy's like your typical wee lad, Aye. and he's he's out there going, talking about, I'm telling my mates, like, talk to me and stuff like that, and you're just like, people like that starting to say it, and then so you're running, you know, helping run a group that is attended by ex-service personnel, you Aye. know what I mean, like, and helping them deal with their anxiety, helping them deal with their depression and stuff like that, and you're like, that's incredible, and mm-hmm. I think they're, they're you know, they 
having guys like yourself, guys like Ryan and, and some of the, the previous guests we've had and to just be examples as to how you do it is, is massively important. Uh, it's, it's, for me, you know, that, that admitting you've got a drink problem is is one of the hardest things. Yeah. I've, I'm saying admitting. I, me admitting I had a drink problem was the most horrific thing I've ever done. Um, and, it, and it always will be because it, it, you were admitting you fucked up, mm-hmm. you know. And then, then once I realised, so there was two two parts to it. So first, I admitted that I had a, had a, had a drink problem, and then secondly, realising I had a mental health problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not only was an alky, but in my head there was an utter. Mm. So trying to deal with that. So hard not to pile the negativity on it. And ask for help when you're thinking. I was, I was, I was a hell of a one for the saying that. He'll be thinking this about me. So I was more yeah. concerned what other people would think mm-hmm. of me than mm-hmm. I was what I was thinking of myself. Mm-hmm. So I would be thinking, I'm not going to ask them because I think I'm a weirdo. You know, whereas the way that I was acting around about them made me look like a weirdo. Yeah. You know, because I was kidding on that I was this. I always wanted to be the centre of attention. So in the boozer, you know, I would be, uh, you know, the laughy jokey. Mm-hmm. You know, when we went out. I would stand up my wife, make a you know, make an arse of myself. Not stand her up, but make an arse of myself. She would feel very awkward. Mm-hmm. Um Caroline's quite a personal person, so I've but you know, things like going to the you know, the hypnotist and I would be the one that would want to go on the stage and mm-hmm. get naked. You right. know, shit like that, you know, that absolutely no need nowadays it fills me full of dread ends like that. <laughs> yeah. But before that was my piece, I was I was wanting to be the centre of attention uh-huh. because This is the big thing you've got to watch yourself as well when when you Take the step of admitting to yourself that there is an issue, whether it be drink, addiction, whatever it else ha- it happens to be. These things are the first step, and it is great that you take that first step. But awareness then requires more awareness, and you have to go down the rabbit hole once you make that decision. Yeah. I think it can be quite a daunting thing for a lot of folk. And when you're dealing with something like drink, where for me it started out as almost a kind of comfort gesture mm. that just gradually slid out of control. So I find myself I had this two nights ago, because it never leaves you, two nights ago I had a bit of a rough situation in work, finished work, and my entire body was screaming out for a drink, mm-hmm. just to just to shut it out, and I managed to get up the road, I literally just phoned myself a taxi to get me as far away from the shop as possible, as quickly mm-hmm. as possible, and I'm aware that that's, that's never going to leave me, but that's because after taking that first step, I now need to be aware of it, yep. to stay in yeah, control of it, and when something like drink is how you've got that comfort, when you confront these things, it's so easy just to then throw the shutter oh. back up and you know go back into that sort of comfort cycle again. And I the the awareness of your situation is great as a first step, but mm-hmm. it can also be the biggest challenge because to get better, you have to be constantly aware. It's also aware when you do stop to watch it for a bit. Also, when I stopped, I was chasing a buzz. Yep. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I tried. I was. I always. I took drugs throughout most of my drinking but it was mm-hmm. the drunk the, the drink was a catalyst for the drugs to start yeah um but then when i when i get so i thought i'll try the drugs i, I tried it once on their own mm-hmm. um and it was it was horrific but then i took to gambling yeah you know and thinking I'll have that's a wee socially punt. acceptable that's another uh, one like the drink uh, that society accepts you gambling i'll have a wee punt and, and that'll give me the buzz yep. you know and i don't i never get into any Major problems that, but I could see myself starting to the bets working up for five pound a week to ten pound a week. I could see the same spiral, and then obviously food. Yeah. You know, so then I took food, which is is is, is a nightmare because it's mm-hmm. it's re- very readily available. Everybody eats. 
everybody gambles and everybody drinks. Yep. Everybody has to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, I was do, doing that now. I was now gouge eating. Um, so it's it's watching when you do stop that you're not stopping and replacing it with something. Yeah, I think that that's that that's probably the piece of the puzzle when I speak of like speaking to people about addiction and recovery. The biggest piece of the puzzle that I th- I feel that majority of people miss is the the bit at the end where you need to really watch your behaviour mm-hmm. and like Matt's saying, noticed his trigger. He knows that if he walks past the shop on the way home from work, he's got to just. And he's just rationalised going in and grabbing a bottle so he gets the taxi and he goes up the road. That's him taking personal responsibility for his own behaviour. And I think that when you were saying earlier on that um, a lot of sort of mental illness is exaggerated, as poor mental health as mental illness, and they're two very different things. One of the things that comes up quite a lot for me when when I see people speaking about this is that the younger generations in particular don't want to take responsibility. So... The idea that I'm not depressed, I've got depression, Aye. takes away that responsibility to go, you can actually deal with this by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you need to, sometimes you need to knuckle down Aye. and you need to go, what am I doing here that's caused us rather than, because like it, it seems to me like one of the things that's jumped out to me is this idea that you want to be center of attention because that's me oil. And see the first time, I mean... I, I was. I, I was joke a, about frontman syndrome. When I was frontman band for, for ten years, so I was always the centre of attention. And see, when I wasn't, I made myself. Uh, I mean, there's. We were talking the other week about specific instances where I went back and thought about and thought, why did I do that? And it's always about putting myself to uh, the front. And right, I'm not the centre of attention. I got a date, and literally on occasion, just turn and just slap mates in the face uh, in the middle of a big crowd of people. Yeah, humiliating that person, but. It wasn't about me humiliating them. It was about me getting myself right. What can I do here to just bring it back to being Aye, about me? Being about me. But the first time I drank, I drank three liters of cider. So and all my mates had three beers, Aye. and I I get so drunk that I can barely remember the night. And thankfully, I've just not went down that rabbit hole. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Because I totally recognise that. But I've went away from my point. But I think that a lot of times we see. There's a lot of sort of stigma with, with individuals that when it comes to mental health and it comes to addiction, and they don't want to really realise that they've caused it and that uh, they could, and ultimately it will be them that gets themselves out of it. Do you know uh, what I mean? Like, I think that there's too much sort of taken away from that where it's like, it's rooted, no, that's just my depression that's nah. caused me to do that and it's yes. like no this like, your depression that. might be caused by the fact that you've not been able to get a handle on the drink and the drugs and we were mm-hmm. talking to Ryan about that that he recognises it in these sort of 21, 22 year old sort of crowd that uh, he runs about the cycle. that they go to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday cane it, coke, Aye. drink nightclubs, back to house parties wake up on the Monday morning and go oh I'm depressed Aye, I've, yeah, I've got depression and then when somebody goes maybe look at your behaviour it's like that's victim blaming Aye. and it's like right we need to get away from mm-hmm. that and sort of have a conversation about how much personal responsibility have you got for your own health, uh, both mentally, physically, and how are they related to each other? I remember, uh, see when I did stuff, I remember thinking, they're all going to miss me. You know, doing that boozer, they'll be yeah. asking, where's Big Graham, where's, where's Big G, where's, where is he, and, and the pub will be, and the pub's going to struggle. How's the pub going to survive out me? Honestly, God. You're the res- I, I a responsibility was, to the community, I keep drinking. I thought I was that fucking important. You know, and it, and it tells you how important it was that not one of them 
no, one of them contacted me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I wasn't that important. As I thought yeah. I was, you know, and that's something that I was always taught, you know, in early sobriety is, you know, you're not that important. You know, you're in charge of your own thing. Not a lot of people are worried about what Graham's doing. Yeah. You're in, you're in charge of what Graham's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what the younger generation, you know, they go out and get fucking mental with it. And then as you said, you're, you're taking all, you don't actually know half of the shit that they're taking. Right. They don't know half the shit they're taking. And they think taking. they're taking one thing, but they're preventing nowadays. So Aye. they're waiting up in the morning, got the fear, which is part and parcel. And then think that's depression. That's no, it's because you've had 40 pints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aye. Aye. We've been taking the horse tranquilizers Aye, all weekend. So I say, I think that's been, unfortunately, we've got a lot of responsibility for that our generation of people because I think we were the, well, I might be wrong, but we were the first sort of generation of like the 3 a.m. Aye. Like my mum and dad were, were home at 11. I remember right. my Aye. dad telling me the bar is shut at 11 o'clock and me going, what? Aye. Pubs used to shut at 11 o'clock, 10 Aye. o'clock. But we were the first sort of all night. The 90s Aye. sort of was the rave culture That's came right. in and then it was the all night party, 24-7, yeah. 24-hour party people, like that sort of culture. But we have glamorised that because we then, now we are looking back with nostalgia and going, aye, we didn't have our phones. We were we were out on nuts and we were nah. at the raves and everybody was, a, it was it was brilliant, using it. But now the younger generation are now trying to achieve that. And aye. unfortunately, it, it I think that it's going to take for us to do these types of things and sit down and have long conversations so that they can then hopefully listen and go, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And how destructive is this for my lifestyle? Mm-hmm. People going to, you're saying that guys that I mean James that we spoke to about about um gambling, gambling addiction, he said that it was his work that triggered it because Aye. he had had nothing and then all of a sudden he got this amazing job at eighteen and like everything was available, everything Aye. was out in front of him and he could do anything. And I think that sort of like gambling apps, unfortunately, whether people want technology or no, you're literally a, a direct message on Instagram away from a gram of coke. Yeah. You can go and get all these different, I mean, when Hooch launched, I can remember there being news, oh, news about what we're doing here. Like we're, we're marketing alcohol towards teenagers and maybe we should think about this and it get waved away as like, no, shut up. Aye. But now you're looking at Electric Melon Mad Dog and everybody on Twitter pure, yes, I've got the new flavour of Mad Dog. Mm-hmm. And Check this out, my, I was saying in a previous episode that my, my actual daughter got caught drinking for the first time a few weeks ago. She's 15. And she's relatively well behaved in, in terms of 15 She's an amazingly well behaved 15 um, year old. So she got a, right, we're disappointed. Here's why it can't happen again rather than an absolute bollocking because that never worked for me. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I thought, let's, let's try a different tactic. But we were sitting in the 101 up in Proven Mill and it was like bread, milk, cold meat, you know, and we're still on the till. We weren't buying any booze or anything like that. And she's going, no, check it out. And it was Mad Dog she'd been drinking when when we caught her drinking. Um, it wasn't hard to catch her. She was bouncing off everyone in the house. She's going, no, check it out. A new flavour of Mad Dog. And I was like, is this maybe a bit too soon? And she was like, what? And I was like, I don't want to hear Mad Dog out of your mouth ever again. She's like, well, maybe after I'm 18. I was like, well, come back to me in three years. You know what I mean? But she's actually, she, we're in this large show, having a chat, interacting, picking stuff up, going through tills, and what she sees is the bottle of Mad Dog on the shelf behind Aye. the counter. And you're like, that's worrying, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, for a general point of view. But I think two two things that, you know, young people have got and, you know, against them in this area is, one is that 
like you say, at 18 years old, you were an apprentice, you were away from him, you were working, you were an adult. Mm-hmm. At 18 years old, people aren't expected to be adults in society no. anymore. No, that's You're right. getting people in their 30s and 40s, and I know house prices and things play a part, but like still living with parents and all this kind of... And, and you know, people have got their own personal choices, I'm not judging, but what I'm saying is, at 18, 19, 20, I mean, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were married at 17 yeah. and had two kids by 21. I mean, like the notion that that's happening on any sort of scale now is laughable. I mean, yeah. obviously, birth rates and everything are falling because that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, a, a delay in when people are expected to be adult nowadays. Yeah. So this destructive behaviour, these rabbit holes that they can go down, are almost kind of encouraged away because they're not expected to take responsibility until yeah. much later in their life by comparison. Uh, another thing I think is, as we were talking about, once you take that first step... I don't think there's enough information out there that allows you to take the second step and then the third step because you've had to work it out for yourself. Yeah. I've had to work it out for myself. So did I. You've had to, and pretty much everybody we've spoke to has had to find some way of finding something that works for them almost on their own. Aye. We've literally become involved with organisations like A, your charity and various other bits and balls. But in that crisis moment, if you decide to take the first step, you're still pretty much on your own. Aye. You know what I mean? I remember... Um the suicide with the, with the amitriptyline the, the crisis team came and visited me mm-hmm. uh, in this that wee room I was talking about earlier on and, and he said to us um, we're here for a wee chat and um, did, did you mean to do it? and I said no I've never seen him again hmm. how, lot, do, how do you know mean to take 52 pills? did you mean to do it? did you, mean to, did you want to kill yourself? no I think they came back they came to the house sorry they came to the house about two weeks later and started going on about my, my, my childhood. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck's mm-hmm. going on here? I don't know. There's nothing to do with my childhood. It's like sort of a crony psychology Aye. where it's like, well, there must be something, there must be something in it at an earlier stage other than, no. Like, Aye. I literally had a couple of circumstances that happened at like 18 that meant that I ended up comfort drinking and Aye. it's just spiralled out of control. Aye. I just liked to drink and it got silly. Mm-hmm. Aye. So it was a, you know, and, and, and that, that nowadays... <laughs> I don't know what it's like now. Thankfully, I've only gone. I've been and seen a couple of counsellors, for, but I'm in the, the decent position now that, that I can I can go and pay for a counsellor. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think not it's, everybody has, which is fucking yeah, terrible. It's like not. twelve anywhere between twelve weeks. I've heard people say eighteen months Aye, to see same. a mental health professional in the NHS. I, which I shouldn't is, have waited eighteen months. Well, with those nightmares, I, I, I went to the, I asked the GP about the nightmares, and. Um, Nicole. Nothing. We can get you some CBT or whatever it is. You know, we can get you. We can get you. But it will be six months, and I'm thinking, I've told you every single night I have a nightmare about committing suicide, and you're telling me to go on another six months mm-hmm. with that going on. I said, it can't happen. I'm not sleeping. I'm fighting to go to sleep. This is where a lot of people will then fall back into that comfort behaviour because they go, they I'm up. so brave to take this first step, and then somebody goes, I've got nothing for you, mate. Yeah. And where are you going to go? You're going to go straight back into the back the I bad knew, habits. I knew a drink would take that away. I said that to I know a drink will take this away. Yep. You know, but I, I'm not doing it. You know, and that, that's uh, that's part of the problem that, that we're facing now. There's so many cuts, and not everybody's in the position that they can go and get it. Luckily yeah. enough, I was part of this chat and I could get it. Mm-hmm. But not everybody has, and, yep. and that's where um, it's where society, or, or not society, but society can't do much about it. We need. Everybody's got to come together on it, I suppose. Definitely. You know, these these drop-in sessions and, um, and and groups that are getting set up now, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're priceless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been at a few, uh, back on site, have them, and 
and I've got one guy in particular that, that I, I don't know how he's getting on now, but at the beginning he came in and he was he was a mess, and then you seen him, you know, turning in to a, to a proper human being, mm-hmm. you know, and you know it was amazing to see it uh, over six seven weeks, yeah. you know, and, and for, I don't know how he's getting on now, but at that time you're thinking that these are working and definitely and they, they can work. Mm-hmm. You see it on Facebook, there's plenty of them. Yeah. But it's again that first step. That conversation I've had with my own dad. Um, my dad's 72, 73 now. Um, drank, as I say, you know, wouldn't it be unusual for him and my mum to go through a bottle of whiskey uh-huh. on a random night? And, you know, obviously some of that's clearly stuck with me over the years, but not a, a portion blame. Like I'm responsible uh-huh. for my own behaviour and I always have been. Um, but as we go and doing this journey in the podcast and talk to people and I, as a result of the podcast I had to confront my own drinking and stuff like that I spoke to my dad because I remember in his mid-40s he just overnight went teetotal mm-hmm. um, and I was like what was that about and he was like well my doctor said to me like you need to stop like yeah. this is this is destroying your body etc and he, I was like so what did you do A did you do and he went no I just stopped and I'm going he did that with fags. He's, he's got willpower that I just don't understand that he can just flip a switch and he's done with stuff, uh-huh. um, which is great for him. But I was going, well, I am going to go to this group and, you know, check in with the guys at Gary Falls group and, you know, does a one in the corner, for, you know, here and stuff like that. And my dad just been like, we never had that. Mm. You know, and, the, and like the, you know, as he was growing up on the Garngard Road with like four pubs and like one shop, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there was more pubs per, you know, per capita than, you know, probably most other streets in Glasgow and Aye. that were coming out to Cali at, you know five in the morning and going to the budgie for a pint and you know why, why are pubs in Glasgow even open at five Aye. in the morning you know what I mean like yeah um, I like, the notion that he would sit down anywhere with any peer and be like pure so how are we doing this Aye. was just a completely alien concept yeah. to him, you know what I mean but they are so valuable because of the difference they make to people's Aye, lives pub and tuna would go to you had to buy our own sauces to get a pint Aye, a packet of chips a pack of some chips a Aye, plate of chips that you don't even touch Aye. and you had all these one bite of sausages and it was funny but Gary they'd done the, Gary was doing a kilt up with us right so we had a, had a really good chat with him um, the whole way around and, and we were talking about his you know the groups that, mm-hmm. that we set up and about his troubles and, and so that's what it should have been but we had fucking 23 miles to talk about it so. <laughs> um, but it was you know that when I when we're talking and I'm like this is not this is probably this is what guys should be doing yeah. you know if they have got issues that we both had then having a chat about it mm-hmm. you know and, and for the first 10 miles we were fine but obviously then 20 miles we were fucked <laughs> <laughs> they walk, but uh, it was so it was things like that, and you're thinking, you know, this is this is good. Mm-hmm. Something so simple as well. Not enough it happens. Like, I remember reading something. Somebody was like, "We need to stop telling people to just talk because it doesn't work." Mm-hmm. You're like, it might be maybe doesn't work for you, but maybe your circumstance needs professional intervention. Mm-hmm. But it definitely works for the vast majority of these low level. And when I say low level, I don't, I'm not undermining, but like low level addiction and low level mental health issues mm-hmm. that can be just just confronting it and speaking it'll just it'll make it so much better when i realized that almost everybody i knew was suffering from like low-level anxiety it, i felt like a weight i was Aye. like well, i always just felt different i always just thought that i was living with us that nobody else mm-hmm. everybody's like connected to this one but i think that was the thing with me first going to a because i thought it was a weirdo i thought i was unique mm-hmm. i yeah. thought i'm the only one that must drink like this mm-hmm. um you know i'm the only one that can be like this and then you walk into that a room and it's got people that are going through something very, very, very yeah. similar to yeah. you. And then for me, what came out of that was the fucking 
tiniest, tiniest bit of hope. And that's all I needed. Was mm-hmm. that tiniest bit of hope, you know what, I might just be all right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's what took me through the first six months was that this is gonna be I'm gonna be alright. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, it's just hope. That's it, man. So just to wrap up, because I think we're past the hour now and I've really enjoyed the conversation. I, I've get, I wrote down like some points and I've barely touched them because we've just <laughs> chatted our way through it and a lot of it we've actually touched. But what do you think, like you've recovered in life after alcohol and everybody's, I get that everybody's recovery is a long-term thing right. and it's, it happens in stages. Lifelong. What do you... What do you find joy in though? Like, what are the things that you that keep you in the straight and narrow and like in life? Um, well, I've see been part of my my like my wife's life. See been see been involved and and we hadn't been able to sit with her and not hide anything. So there's nothing hidden. So see that stuff of not having to think about what I'm going to say before I've said it. Mm-hmm. It's it's frees you up fucking massively because I'm not I've, I've no really lied, no, you know, but everybody tells me white lies, of course, but yeah. I've no lied to, to any extent that I was lying before, and uh, uh, and that, for me, is, is priceless, being able to just sit there and, and talk, mm-hmm. and then on the other side of it is, is getting involved with foot, playing football again, you know, exercising again, smiling again, you know, enjoying shit, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and playing my golf, which is stuff that is... It's normal life Aye. to everybody else, but I would go and play golf at half six in the morning with a bottle of wine, you know. And see, being able to do that now and uh, and go out and just enjoy it, mm-hmm. you play badly, but it's just it's tiny stuff, you know. It's stuff that folk will laugh at. That's fucking huge to me. Like say, yeah. going and playing football. It's I mean the, the football style we play is just about fucking walking football. Yeah, you know because we're all older and all slightly obese, so it kind of that you know you're there, you're doing it. And then I'm able. I've not. I'm not getting the phone calls from Carolina saying, "Where the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. What are you doing there? I've just drove by that pub in your car sitting outside. No, it's no. I would lie in my car. My car wasn't outside the pub, and it was. You must have got it wrong. The registration's wrong, you know, and and stuff like this. So being able to be free and no, no, be um, no have to say and question myself mm-hmm. is, is is huge, and also getting, and I've had to develop a whole new circle of friends, mm-hmm. you know, because I was surrounded by that were like me mm-hmm. yeah. you know and now I've got I, I used to always see if you spoke to me for two minutes because I was an only child see if you spoke to me for two minutes you were my fucking brother right. you know you were my brother and, and you and I were going back you know and I remember before <clears throat> before we get married I think I'd asked about nine folk to be my fucking best man you know and, and half of them I hardly knew you know, it was <laughs> yeah. just waking that. up the next day and going there's another one aye. that's in the grooms aye, in the groom so, party. you know I'm going to end up with about 15 fucking ushers at this rate <laughs> so it's now I've got friends that you know I've I've got a small number of of, of close of friends, really really close friends mm-hmm. that that all drink, um you know and, but they're my mates and I've probably never ever had that since you know I had a, I had a really good mate when I was growing up but from sixteen up to, yeah. to I stopped drinking I probably never had a had a good good mate mm-hmm. and, I, and I've got quite a lot of them or, or I've got a circle of them mm-hmm. now that. that so that's that, that's massive. Yeah, uh, friends, family, and I think like enjoying the 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 wee things in life is definitely like a good recipe oh, for like oh, joy. And a massive shout out to all the men and women who are partners to addicts who actually stand by them and and actually like help them dig back out because, I, you know, in talking to you, 
I see the similarities in my stasis, you see, in uh, your wife, and there'll be a, you know, for every similarity we understand in each other's stories, there's going to be similarities in their well, stories as well. Yeah. And there, there's millions of them out there perfect, actually helping people just because they love them. Perfect analogy of that is, you know, you, you've got a still glass lake, right? You throw a pebble into that lake and it ripples out. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. So not only was my wife affected, but her mum was affected mm-hmm. because she was telling her, who was then telling her pal. So there's three people at that. Then my mum was telling my auntie, who was then telling her my uncle. So before you know it, you've got eight people that yeah. are all becoming affected because of me. Yeah. You know, that's you know, that's a lot of folk. Mm-hmm. So it's same. Um, aye. But thanks very much for coming in, man. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Like I think that you're like ridiculously brave for being able to sit down and talk about these things. Like, and I'm not saying that because we did. <laughs> you no, know, I mean? no, like, no. But no, like the, the way that you talk about it candidly, the blog. I think if anybody's suffering or if anybody's like thinking maybe I've got a problem, you should go and read that blog because I was literally sat in the train and thought I'll pick three. Uh, these wee blogs and I'll, I'll read it to get an idea of what the guy's about and just rattled all the way through it was just like that's what it is there's a contact section in it and, a, and, and they can be hidden so if you contact me through it it won't go on the page yeah. unless you want it to so I've got I've had <coughs> a lot of people contacting me yeah. you know just and a lot of them are asking for family members mm-hmm. you know uh, you know and, and my wife's aspect of it which is I'm absolutely if anybody wants to speak to me or talk to me or, or contact me through it, please do. Because what's the address? Just because we'll go to it on the it's screen, but you can't really see it, I don't think. www.grahamwilsonundrunk.com Perfect. Um, so, yeah, get on it. And, and if, if I can help in any way, then I will. That's that's what, my, that's what I try and do now. Amazing, mate. Hi, Graham. Thanks very Thanks much for coming in and sharing, man. Guys. Appreciate Cheers. it. Thank you. Set to 
No 